All right. So today on the Mind of, of a Football Coach podcast, we're going to be looking at uh, a little book review here, Power T Football by D. Andros and Roland P. Red Smith. And the subtitle is The Most Dynamic Offense in Modern Football, which really, man, that's so interesting. This book was written a long, long, long time ago. And uh, it was talking about being the most dynamic offense in in modern football. This book was written in 1971, and I was I was sent a picture of this book by a coaching friend of mine. And this offseason, one of my studies has been the T formation. And uh, any of y'all that have listened to my most recent podcast have heard me talk about uh, coaching what you know. I've been a been an I formation person uh, this past year, really past two years, uh, two years ago, we did it out of the gun. Uh, but I really had kind of a epiphany two days ago, I was going through our offense. And then I thought to myself, well, if, if we call plays based on series, which is what we do, then you can formation that really any way you want. And you, you, you keep your, keep your plays. You can just add cheap formations. And Man, that really hit me because you hear coaches, I think, sometimes talk about this is my offense, this is what I do, this is my system. I think, I don't know that there's one pure system anymore. I think people take different things from different offenses offenses, and add it to theirs. I was, I was reading something by Coach Kenny Simpson, who I had on the podcast a, a while ago, I think a couple of years ago. And he's a wing T guy, but he runs RPOs. And I guess I could say I'm more of an I formation guy, but if you use series play calling, then you can really line up any formation you want as long as the players know what play this is. So, for example, if you're running running ISO and you know, we call that 22-23, you can run 22 out of the T, right? You can run you're your down and kick play out of the tee as long as it's systematic and it's a series. So I was sitting in class the other day and that I had an epiphany and I texted our coaching staff and I said, Oh my goodness, we can, we can do more than we think we can because it's just same as, and I'm sure there's people listening that think that is, yeah, I've known that for years, but in my brain, that's not something that had clicked. And I think for us as coaches, Sometimes things click and sometimes things just take a little bit of time as we're trying to figure out what fits for me, what fits for my program, and how do we make that go? How do we put these things together so that we get the best product possible? Because that's what we're trying to do as a coach, right? We're trying to give our players the best chance to be successful and i was looking at this book tonight power t football and then i thought to myself i should do a podcast about some parts of this book not a full on book review because that would take way too much time and nobody has nobody has time for that right but there are just a couple things in this book that i really really enjoyed and it spoke to me and i thought hey this would be something good to talk about on the mind of a football coach podcast. So of course the book, it's the, it's the power T offense. And chapter one is titled developing a strong power T running game. I love these old pages. They are thick, 
and they are sturdy. This book's been around for for a long, long, long time. And the author coach coached at Oregon State at the time. And uh, the first bit that I really liked about it, he says, at Oregon State, we feel that any type of running game must take into consideration the available personnel. It should be simple, and it is not what the coaches know, but rather what the personnel is capable of doing on Saturday afternoon. That is important. This guy might as well have been a high school coach, right? Because we're trying to take available personnel and do the best job we can with our people. The person he, he goes on to talk about is actually easier for him as a, as a college coach as far as a personnel factor. He says the personnel factor is somewhat easier for us than high school coaches as we can recruit personnel to fit into our general offensive thinking. The matter of simplicity is not always easily handled since all of us tend to forget that what is elementary to us as a staff with a number of years experience in the game is not always simple to the young men we coach. So we are constantly on our guard against putting in more offense than our players can adequately handle. We would prefer to eliminate plays from our offense rather than add them. If by adding a play, we would create confusion, man. It's a lot of gold in there. It's a lot of good stuff. I think as a, as a coach, if you add something, you have to take something out. And I think that's, those are that scheme. Those are plays. I don't think formations fall into that category. I used to think that, but I don't think that anymore because formations are cheap. Plays are expensive, knowing rules and landmarks and fundamentals and things of that nature. But I think that formations are cheap. Hey, line up here when we call this and just do same as do the, do, do it the same as you would do in a different formation. And yeah, I think that's that's a, a good way to, to think about it. But I think if we put concepts in, we have to be willing to take certain ones out. And as a coach, I think what I think how we earn our keep, so to speak, is we need to know what is too much and what is not enough for our players. Because that is something we need to know. That is a feel thing. I think you can give tests to players, yeah, but I think what players know on a sheet of paper is probably different than what they know on the field. Either they know more on the the pen and paper and less on the field, or they sometimes I've had players that know more on the field. And if you gave them a sheet of paper and asked for assignments, they would look at you like you had two heads. That's, that's not how their brain works. Right. So yeah, we as coaches have to feel that we have to feel what our players know and how can we help them be successful. He goes on, he says, the next consideration is establishing our running attack. Excuse me. The next consideration in establishing our running attack is that of consistency. In actuality, proper evaluation of our personnel and keeping the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid, does much toward establishing our consistency. Yeah, I think that it has to be something our players can do when there's chaos on the field, right? When they're when everything is going wrong around them, or maybe not wrong, when things are going fast, right? Maybe the, it's a good team and they're playing faster than we're used to. Man, can we execute, right? And when something's wrong, can we can we fix it? And this is the last piece I'll read about offense. It says, offense must be the aggressor, forcing the defense to make mistakes and taking advantage of these errors. To accomplish this, our offense must our offense must have consistency 
and flexibility. So the ability to be consistent in your teaching, but then at the same time, being able to have some flexibility, maybe a different formation, maybe a little wrinkle here. And you have to be able to take advantage of what the defense gives you. So you're trying, if they take away the inside run, you have the outside run. If they take away uh, the outside run, you want to run the ball inside, right? Uh, and there's different variations of run scheme, man, gap, zone. And you have to be able to take advantage of what the defense is giving you in the run game. And then he has actually has some really interesting comments about the passing game. And I think he was ahead of his time because when you look at other books, and I have, because I like old books uh, of the seventies, you know, the, the word pass was a four letter word. People did not pass. That, that was not the thing. The wishbone was still like, in, still kind of in vogue and well, it was in vogue and people didn't throw the ball and he has a different take on this. And I really thought this was, this was, this was interesting. It says, even though we have established the run first theory, we do not endorse the misgivings of many coaches who feel that when you put the ball in the air, three things can happen and two of them are bad. These being the interception, excuse me, these being the incompletion and the interception. We feel through hard work with the quarterback and receivers on individual techniques. You can cut down on both incompletions and interceptions with interceptions being the more deadly enemy. Uh, the experts often overlook the fact that many teams that have been known to try and live by the past have been teams which are outgunned by their opponents and probably would not would have lost regardless of the offense they employed. This has resulted in many coaches having played down the passing game as only being successful with teams of professional status or college teams which are not fundamentally sound. This may also explain why some coaches feel that a team cannot be successful in the passing game and in the win-loss column some of that definitely has changed right the nfl is definitely a passing league at the moment even college and i would even say some high schools to some degree not in our area north central west virginia but i love how he he debunks the myth that if you throw the ball you know, like well yeah he debunks the fact that if you throw the ball you know there's three three things that can happen to are bad well, yeah, but some of your more explosive plays are through the air, and an incompletion is not a bad thing, right? It's just like running the ball and getting stuff for zero. And, you know, obviously if you run the ball and you get five yards, keep running it. But I think we have to have a passing game, even if you're in a run-heavy offense, because sometimes at some point you are going to need it going forward. And that's a, something I've been guilty of. I'm an ex-offensive lineman, want to pound the rock, run the football. And I don't know that I spent enough time on the passing game. And I think, you know, definitely over the last couple of years as a, as a head coach play caller, we've devoted a lot more time to it, be that seven on seven time in practice, uh, just time in the summer receivers and quarterbacks throw in because it's something you need to have when you need to have it. If you're rushing for five a carry, probably going to keep that thing on the ground. But but sometimes you definitely uh, you definitely need need to have that. And then one of the last things I, I love about these older books is there's things in the back that are really interesting. So there's actually a diagram 
of the quarterback center exchange and telling uh, the reader how to properly coach that. I think that is really interesting because that's not something you see in a lot of modern books. So it says the quarterback should have the back side of his right hand in the middle of the center's buttocks. The heel of his left hand should be under and on the wrist of the right hand. His back should be semi-straight with his head up. Man, that's cool. I mean, that's something that, yeah, you don't see you don't see these days. And I, I was looking on YouTube before I started this podcast, and I saw a a video of how to take an under center snap. Now it's older, it's a little grainier, but man, that's 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 a lost art to some degree. I mean, some teams operate only alley gun, right? Uh, we were only under center last year, looking to have some variation in that this year but man that that convicts me to want to get back to some fundamentals and some basics and teaching people how to do things that we think are that that we think are taken for granted right oh get under center and take a snap well how do you do that right our our jv quarterback last year never played football so it made me as a quarterback coach go back and evaluate how am i teaching this because for me it's easy right you take the snap but this young man had never taken a snap. So it made me as a coach really dig down and find and find within myself the best way to teach that that skill, right, that we definitely need to have. Uh because if you can't take a snap, you can't win a football game, right? And that I think that's part of the fun, right? Is that we're trying to teach young men who may have never played football before. And as a high school coach, that's a lot of, that's a lot of the joy I have in the job is trying to help players become good football players that at the beginning of the season or that at the beginning of their career had no idea what they were doing, right? Had no clue. They had never done this before, but now they do. And I think old books like this, uh, Power T Football by D. Andros, by D.G. Andros and Roland P. Red Smith, these kind of books make me reflect upon the fundamentals and let's not assume our players know things, right? Cause they probably don't. Uh, I know most of our guys don't watch a ton of football and I would wager a guess that most of your guys don't either. So, you know, as we're preparing for this next season, may we go back to some old material and let's, let's refresh ourselves because I think if something has stood the test of time, it is good and that we should draw from it and use it to help our players. So thank you all for listening and I hope you enjoyed the podcast.